Right, I'm getting on with it. Let's go. <clears throat> Welcome back to At the Table. Are you trying to be the sleigh bells? Yeah. Santa hat the table. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Very weak. The tail. Welcome to our mini Christmas series. This is series three of At The Table and we're really glad that you found us, whether this is your first series that you've listened to or whether you've been listening from the start. We're really glad you're here on this journey with us. So for our mini Christmas series, we're going to be looking at the Christmas story in a different way from normal. What are we going to be doing this series then? So I'll tell you for what we're not going to be doing this series, Joe, is we're not going to be just reading the Christmas story. A little oh. bit different there. Oh. Maybe you're expecting to hear the Christmas story, but no, we're not <laughs> going to be reading it like that. <laughs> what we're going to be doing is, well, we've all read the Christmas story already, and what we're doing is bringing you thoughts on a different theme each week. So we've got four different themes, and they all begin with P. I'll let you decide whether that was a coincidence or not. So we're going to be looking at the prophecy of Christmas. We're going to be looking at the places of Christmas. We're going to look at the people of Christmas and what what Christmas means for the present times. Mm. So those are going to be our four episodes. Um, each episode we're going to be discussing these themes and what we found about them as we've been reading the Christmas story ourselves, what was surprising, what we already knew, and hopefully you'll learn something from it in a new way that doesn't just regurgitate what you might already know. So... Does that make sense? It does sound good. Yeah. Oh, it thanks. Does sound great. I've listened to that podcast. Oh, <laughs> go on then. You're going to have to, John, because you're in it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm future John. Did we sound... Future John, he's back. Did we sound convincing enough when we uh, pretended we didn't know what on earth was going on? Oh, oh, oh wow. Really? Oh, well, thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get started, I'm Lucy. I'm Joe. I'm Beth. And I'm John. And, and we, we are... At the table! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, technically we are at the table, because we're sitting on the floor at our yeah. little coffee table. You're sitting on your sofa at your coffee table. Yeah. True. The laptop with the Zoom call on is on a table. We are Absolutely. at the many tables. So, episode one. Today we are looking at Prophecy. And I don't think I'm the only one that didn't realise quite how many prophecies there are of Christmas before we even get to the Christmas story in the Bible. Is that just me? No. <laughs> no. Any follow-up thoughts? Or? No. I, <clears throat> I knew there were prophecies, but it wasn't until I started looking into it a bit more that I realised it was so exhaustive. It's almost like you could tell the whole story of Christmas before it even happened. It's almost like there's something bigger going on here. Ooh. <laughs> I mean, I'd like to say that I didn't, but I guess part of theology is knowing is the text correlation. So, nerd. Yeah, <laughs> but that's kind of my thing. I should know that. I should really know those things where the Bible connects, shouldn't I? Beth be... Bibles for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> She's a Bible worm. <laughs> It'd be pretty worrying if a theology student was like, oh, I didn't know there were so many. Like, yeah, they'd be like, what did all that 
27 grand go on over the three years. That's very true. Yeah, I think there was a, there's, I knew of a couple because it's like Isaiah is like one of those books in the yeah. Old Testament where there's a lot of uh, prophecy, isn't there? Um, but it's not realising that it actually links up to Christmas. You sort of think at the time, oh, I'm just reading some old prophecy, you know, from the Old Testament and actually it fits in quite perfectly. So, um, yeah, it's good to read in. One of the things that is not surprising, but one of the things that I think I forget perhaps every year, which is, which I can think is humorous, is that it doesn't necessarily. I think when people think prophecies, they think it has to be this great big huge story that pretells something. But the, a lot of the prophecies, I think, are just like simple phrases that you know explain, like in a word, who Christ might be or a place. Or it's they're not these massive great big stories. They can just be these lines that people have delivered, or these prayers that people have received from God. Yeah, it's a bit like pieces of a puzzle, isn't it? That's what. Yeah. Um something that came to me while I was having a look. That's what I found too, because I thought, when I was doing my research for this episode, I thought, oh, prophecies, I'll just find the verses and read them, it'll be fine. But they're all like one verse long. (laughs) Mm. So it wasn't just a case of finding a passage and, you know, reading, you know, somebody predicting Christmas. It was like a verse here and a verse here and half a verse Mm. here. And it was like, I didn't realise it was going to be quite so scattered through the whole Old Testament. That's what I thought with the Psalms, because I was looking through some and it kept like pointing to little verses in like, say, Psalm 56. And I'll be like, oh, let's get the context of the whole Psalm. And it's like almost completely different. And all of a sudden there's this little thing and it's like, oh, it's like a little nugget for New Testament. And then it's like the rest is Old Testament again. It's it's, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So shall we compile the prophecies that we found when we were doing our reading? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's do it. What book did you do, Joe? Well, I um, actually was a bit naughty. I went on Google and I um, found a great big list of prophecies. Wow, cheating much? I know, cheating. (laughs) The reason I did that was because I wanted to kind of see if they were all close together or if they were thrown around, if that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Mm. So I kind of went to a few that kind of stood out to me most. Um, The first one that I went to... And the first one that I went to was about um, Bethlehem. Um, I think the reason that it grabbed me was because I don't think I actually realised before that Bethlehem is named. Um, And in my head, where things are prophesied before they happen, it's really sort of vague and mystical. And in my head, Mm. I'm a bit like, well, you could... It's generic enough that you could interpret it anyway later on. And it kind of, oh, yeah, yeah, I said that was going to happen kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah. Um, when I saw that Bethlehem had been named, I'd kind of turned straight to it. So it's found in Micah 5. So it's Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. And in the message version, I like how it's phrased. It says, But you, Bethlehem, David's country, the runt of the litter, from you will come the leader who will shepherd rule Israel. He'll be no upstart, no pretender. His family tree is ancient and distinguished. Um, I really liked how it referred directly to Bethlehem but it also kind of turns people as people's expectations of Bethlehem on its head Mm. I think that's something that we'll come back to in the next episode which focuses on places but I think as a start I like the detail that it gives you about the specific place it kind of leaves no doubt there for where it where this thing's going to happen I found that one too Joe and I thought that was interesting because 
Um, they obviously went to Bethlehem quite unexpectedly for the census. So it's not even like that's where they were living and that, that could have been predicted. They went, you know, they weren't even expecting to go until the census, I don't think. so. Yeah, it's just interesting. And again, we'll come back to it in a future episode. But just interesting that of all the places that could have been picked, it was Bethlehem rather than a, a bigger place like Nazareth. And that kind of shows to me further that these things really were foretold in some detail. I I also had that but um, verse I noted down, but I haven't really got anything more to add and say to it, but I just noted down that it was there and it's just um, one link to that. One of the ones that I have so... Basically, in the Gospel of Luke, it talks about um, how Jesus will be um, given a throne of his father David. And there are lots of passages throughout scripture that mention he will be of the line of David and he will um, be a descendant. I do do have it written down, but I can't read what I've written because it's next to another piece of text. <laughs> and I've written it sideways and very small and I can't decipher what it is. But the talks the talk about the throne, so linked to it, and it says they will give him a throne. In two Samuel seven it says, When your days are over and your rest with your ancestors and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your own flesh and blood, and I'll establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name and will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And I think while if we were reading that quite naturally in the Old Testament, we wouldn't I mean, maybe we would, but I don't think you would directly think, oh, that's a prophecy about Jesus. Mm. But it's talking about, you know, the throne eventually that he will sit on once he conquers death. And mm. it's it's so far forward. And I know it doesn't necessarily link to just his birth, but they mention the throne in the Christmas story. Because in Luke, it's when um, Jesus' birth is foretold. It's when the angel Gabriel is talking to Mary and she's explaining all these things. So it's like it happened in Samuel then the angel Gabriel is telling Mary that these things that have already been said are going to happen and then they are fulfilled. Mm. So yeah. it's, I like how Gabriel brings Mary these things that she probably would know through Jewish tradition and um, texts and things. So she knows these things and I can't imagine what she would have felt like having been told these things by Gabriel, having read them as a prophecy and then that being her child, like that to me just mm. blows my mind. Mm. The mm. fact that she was be receiving these prophecies and thinking, oh yeah, I know this, I know this. Mm. And then that's happening to her. Yeah. That just, to me, just blows my mind. Yeah, it's crazy to think of. Yeah. It must have been, well. And when you think how young she was as well, like having to almost comprehend what everything was going to be happening. You know, like you say, she, she'd she been brought up knowing these writings probably. And, and then like you say, didn't have into, oh, yeah, so you're going to be, uh, you're going to be the mum of, of Jesus. Like it must've been so like, mm. such a heavy burden almost, I would have thought mm. on such young shoulders. Um, I d it's almost funny. Like, I don't know if having the prophecies would have helped or if they would have been a comfort. Mm. Because knowing all like all these ones we've read, would you know having all of them would that be source of comfort to her? Knowing all these things to be foretold, or would you be like, oh my gosh, the weight of that, like with yeah. all these prophecies, hold such magnitude, don't they? Go on, John. I, I, I do. Um, I went a bit. 
<laughs> I do. I, I went a bit different with mine. Um, so oh, there's always was, one. There's always one. Well, the thing is, I quite like the beginning of the Gospel of John, even though it's not a standard, in quote marks, like Christmas Bible reading. I've always liked the whole thing where it's like in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with yeah. God and the Word was God, that stuff. But I thought I'd reread it in the kind of context with, with Christmas. And uh, so the, the prophecy that came up for me was where it says, it's verse 11 in chapter 1. And it says, He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. So Isaiah 53, 3 quotes this whole bit where it's like he comes and his own people reject him so it was like oh yeah like it's a, that was a link that i'd never noticed before it says he was despised and rejected by mankind a man of suffering and familiar with pain like one from whom people hide their faces he was despised and we held him in low esteem yeah just on that topic of rejection I found one in um, Psalm 69 and 8. Actually, I didn't find it. <laughs> Google told me about it. <laughs> and then I looked it up. Yeah, Psalm 69 8 says, I like the message. My brothers shun me like a bum off the street. <laughs> My family treats me like an unwanted guest. So I think it's talking about um, Jesus here. And it's talking about rejection. It's uh, referencing what's going to happen in the future. And this is one that stood out to me on that topic of rejection. And then if I read the words um, of the same part of the Bible that John's just referred to, in John, but from the message, it says, He was in the world, the world was there through him, and yet the world didn't even notice. He came to his own people, but they didn't want him. So this theme of rejection just stands out to me, because I think if you were trying to predict that the Son of God was coming to earth, mm. I just don't think you would also predicts that he would be rejected by the world um yeah. i just think if if that's something that you're predicting and saying that's going to happen god's going to come to the world and you know it's going to be this amazing thing but you're you're also predicting that he's going to be rejected by it that just doesn't make sense to me i feel mm -hmm. like it almost confirms that it's a true prophecy to me because yeah. it doesn't feel like something that you would make up to my mind, anyway. Yeah, that's true. I've not thought of it like that before. That's why it stood out to me. It's similar but not similar to what you were just saying, Joe. One of the things that I um, have down is that... So, obviously, we all know that Mary was a virgin um, when she conceived... Yeah, sorry, shock <laughs> horror. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um, what, as in, like, the Virgin Mary? <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. And the book of Isaiah mentions... So it says in, so obviously we know throughout the Gospels it talks about um, that Mary being a virgin. Well, it doesn't in Mark because Mark doesn't talk about the Christmas story. Um, but the verse, the book that I was reading of the Christmas story for this was Luke. And it obviously mentions that Mary was a virgin because she questions Angel Gabriel. And Isaiah 7 verse 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth. And the son will be called Emmanuel. And I'm like, you. I mean, of all the prophecies that we've read, I feel like this is one of the most direct, plain ones. Mm. Like this, out of all of them, this is like, this is the prophecy of Christmas. Like that is probably one of the most well-known ones that links to it. Yeah, but, it's like if you had to take one of the prophecies, that would be uh, foundation yeah. one. 
but I, th I feel like that really speaks for this you know through the prophecies that we could have we could talk about and we probably we don't won't get around to talking about you know they reach from genesis all the way through to the end of you know into micah and mm. the psalms and to samuel and isaiah and they go through all of the you know the whole um, book of the old testament all the books of the old testament sorry span all these years they can be obscure like the two samuel one i read they can say things that, you know, perhaps are controversial that you wouldn't necessarily think of a prophecy and they can just be plainly direct. They can just literally be, the virgin will conceive and mm. there's no guessing about that. This is, you know, you can't say, oh, well, could we interpret that wrong? Well, no, this is, the virgin will conceive. Mary was a virgin and she did conceive the son, Emmanuel, mm. and those are his names. Like that is... If you want to collect a clear dot to dot, that is as clear as a dot to dot you can get, isn't it, with a yeah. prophecy? And I feel like it's helpful sometimes to have the more obscure ones, and it's helpful as well to just have those plain, clear ones that direct us to. This was rich in the Old Testament before Christ was born. He was predicted to come in these ways, in these things. And I think what linking to what you were saying, Joe, mm. is that it sounds obscure. You know, how can she be a virgin? How can mary how can that happen it could only be of god so i think you know those things obviously if she hadn't if she wasn't a virgin that would make things more complicated and like just all of those things so all of these things had to come into place for it to be that didn't it as yeah. well and i think that's the thing that stands out for me is the fact that it's these things that you would you'd count as small details which actually are very big so like the whole thing of like the names like joe said about like the place name but also, like, he will be called Emmanuel. Yeah. Like, it's such a small thing. That probably at the time, they were like, okay, thanks, Isaiah. Like, you know, and then, but actually, it was, you know, how many hundreds of years later, he, he's he got it right, in a way. So it's obviously like, you know, it's, it is the word of God that he spoke. Mm. And I think that, you know, it's such a small thing at the time, but it's such a big picture thing. Mm. But we know with the names, often a lot of the prophecies linked to the names of Jesus. Like, he will be Most High, he'll be Emmanuel, King of Kings. If you look at all the prophecies, a lot of them connect to the names. I don't know if you like saw that on your list when you looked, Joe, but a lot of them connect to the names, a lot of the prophecies. Mm. And I think that speaks to like the overarching idea. You know, it's it's. I, I think it's more difficult if they were to say Jesus is going to be a this six foot tall man that's going to wear sandals and what only wear white and he's going to speak in parables we'd be a bit like well anybody could do that yeah. but it's like these are names that are only applicable to the son of god these are only names that you can't bracket anybody else into but jesus christ and i think that's really important as well is these prophecies aren't descriptive you know physical characteristics these are eternal promises of an eternal king and god and that's really powerful. Um, another thing that I found is something that I've been aware of before, but I hadn't spent any time really looking at it or uh, considering it in any depth. But in Isaiah 53, verse 12, it says, Therefore I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. So, I feel like 
the meaning isn't maybe immediately clear, but it's basically talking about Jesus dying um, for our sins and dying with criminals, basically. And I feel like it just, when I was reading it again, and I think in the context of looking at some of these other verses, it really hit me that it's kind of, the whole the whole of his life is mapped out and um, prophesied in that way. Mm. And it just kind of touched me that, you know, the beginning and the the birthplace and the circumstances of that are predicted. And then it moves on to how he's rejected by people. And then it finishes with the end of his life. It's just really um, quite amazing how all these details are there from the day he was born to the day he died. Yeah, it's like his whole life is already panned out before you'd even yeah. walked on, you know, which for a human is is almost like mind-boggling, uh, mind-boggling. Yeah. But like, as we know, he's the son of God. He is one with God. And he, he knew what he had to do before he even came. And he would have known that he'd had to come all those years before he did come, um, which is just amazing to think that it was so many years in the coming kind of thing. Yeah. And then even ones, like you were saying, Joe, there's ones about his death. There's another one in Zechariah 12, verse 10. Um, I think this is God speaking, but it's you can see it as a prophecy about Jesus' life. It says, They'll be able to recognise me as the one they so grievously wounded, that piercing spear thrust, and they'll weep. Oh, how they'll weep. Deep mourning as a parent, grieving the loss of the firstborn child. So that mm. that piercing spear thrust is what it says. Mm. And we know that's how he died on the cross with a spear through his side. All of the the life of Jesus literally is in itself an accumulation of the things foretold that have happened before because mm. he is God incarnate. He is the representation of God on this earth to save us. Yeah. There's another one that fits that that I like as well in Psalm 72, verse 10, about the kings visiting mm. or also I've got wise that. men known as. Um, this one says, May the kings of Tarshish and of distant shores bring tribute to him. May the kings of Sheba and Seba present him gifts. And obviously that's a big part of the, uh, you know, the traditional secular yeah. Christmas story that people know is, you know, the we three kings bringing gold, frankincense and myrrh. Everybody knows about that. But do they know that it was prophesied in Psalms however many years previously? That's just... Yeah. Send some background music. Um... That's just too much of a coincidence for my liking. Yeah. <laughs> this is why, we, you know, we decided to talk about Christmas again and why when last last year at Christmas, when we did our own Bible study that inspired us to do this podcast, you know, there's just so many things of the Christmas story that we have, we as, you know, secular society and even the church fall victim to it. We have just, we've made it a childlike thing, but there is, there is so much complexity and majesty to this Christmas story like mm. to think about you know the fact that the detail of those kings being pro you know the prophecy of those kings being true and the gifts being presented it's like how you know how do we just how do we get to a point now in society where we are like oh yeah the kings are important you know like the kings come and give them gifts and we're like but you don't understand like this was foretold that this was going to happen like that's in that's massive, you know. And but we, how far they did and all that stuff. But well. we just ignore the fact that all these things were told, you know, were, were told to us before. And I think 
would it be that if people knew these things, if people knew it just wasn't, you know, the fact that these kings travelled and then they gave these gifts because they recognised him as king, um, as the future king and messiah, if people understood that there were all these prophecies that tied to it, do you think people would be more inclined to believe? Well, I think that I would say most people don't really realise that the Christmas story and Jesus's life is foretold and predicted a long time before it happens. I don't think people realise that. And I think when you go into a um, a traditional service of carols and readings in a church, people don't realise that those bits from Isaiah and so on are prophecies. I think the language used mm. is so... Um, it's often quite old-fashioned and impersonal, which is not a criticism of them in themselves, but I think for certain audiences who aren't so familiar with the Christian story and those kind of things, they don't realise the context of those readings from Isaiah and so on. They don't realise that it it happens a long time before the rest of the story. And I think Mm. that's quite an important part of the story. The idea that all Mm. this stuff didn't just happen one day. You know, it wasn't that one day... Jesus hadn't been born and the next day he existed. It it was predicted a long time before that did happen. And I feel mm. like that's quite an important foundation. There was so much promise in his life before he'd even been born. Another problem with a lot of cow services is that the scripture is exactly the same every year. So it almost turns into a script. You know, we read this, we sing this, we read mm. this, we sing this and it's like it's just like like a her- ritual yeah it's just become a ritual again but then yeah. people are, are hardened to the words i think but we've said this before about mm. other things like the story of noah we know it as this colorful story and you don't realize how much depth and detail and importance is actually behind that we just remember the bit that we were told in that you know cold stone church that we went to that time yeah. and you don't realize the like the magnitude of it but then, in answer to your question, Beth, I don't know if if people aren't willing to believe the Christmas story as it is, I don't know if the prophecies would add any um, more conviction to it because they could just as easily believe that they were made up or, you know, backdated. Mm-hmm. If they think mm-hmm. that the story of Jesus was just written as a story, there's nothing to stop the prophecies being written at the same time, you know. So, I don't know. I mean, I'd like to think that it would, you know, blow people's minds, but to be honest, I think a lot of people are just sceptical about the whole thing, and if they think one bit of the Bible's made up, they're more likely to think that more of it's just made up, so why why should they believe? Why should they listen? Mm. Does it change it for you guys? Does it add more... Does it feel more powerful and more... Yeah, massively. Not real? yeah. I think I get a bit of Christmas fatigue hmm. in that, especially in the army, we do a lot of caroling and we do a lot of a lot of build up to Christmas. It's not just the Christmas Day mm. service. We do caroling from like end of November, really. So you hear all the songs, you hear all the readings, you, you sort of you do everything so many times before actual Christmas Day. It sounds awful to say, but I'm always fed up of hearing it by Christmas Day. Yeah. And I think it's really important to like read it in a fresh way and you know think about it in just a fresh way and I think these prophecies are a really good way of doing that 
and realising that the story is more than we know. The story is bigger than we think it is because all we know is the bits that we've chopped up and put into a carol service. There's actually a massive scope of facts in between those items and before those items. I think it's really helpful to me to see it in this new way. Well, I feel like I've learnt a lot this episode. I came into it knowing very little about prophecies and I've left it feeling knowledgeable and empowered. (laughs) Thanks for all your input, everybody. Thank you. No, thank you. Good chat. (laughs) (laughs) Great conversation once again. (laughs) Aren't we great? (laughs) Now I feel like there's a richness of my understanding of it all now that maybe wasn't there before. Mm. Yeah, I think a lot of these things... Words like, you know, prophecy are kind of banded around churches and you might have heard it, but maybe you've not really stopped to think about what it means and what they are and where they are and what it means for other stories that we do think we know, like Christmas. Because Christmas isn't the only thing that's prophesied in the Bible, so there's loads of them out there. So we've just looked at one small aspect of prophecy in the Christmas story. Um, and we hope it's brought it to you in a, a, new, a new light today. And if you join us for the next episode, we're going to be looking at the places that you'll find in the Christmas story. So we hope to see you next time, and thanks for listening. Bye! 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 Bye!